our Bibles to Luke. Let's turn to Luke 11. We'll start reading at verse 33 of Luke 11. Scripture teaches us that God's word is holy and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. To give honor to the word of the Lord, let's stand as we read together. Luke 11, starting at verse 33. Jesus says, No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it away in a cellar or under a basket, but on a lampstand, so that those who enter may see the light. The eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Then watch out that the light in you is not darkness. If therefore your whole body is full of light, with no dark part in it, it will be wholly illuminated, as when the lamp illuminates you with its rays. Let's pray. We thank you, our beloved Father. Thank you for giving us your Son. and We thank you for this revelation that you have given us Through the words of your beloved Son, even Jesus Christ our Lord, help us, we pray, to receive and to shine forth that light of the Holy Gospel given to us, even through Jesus Christ our Lord. For we ask all these things in his perfect and holy name. Amen. Please be seated. I get disappointed sometimes when I shop at Books A Million in Alexandria, Louisiana, There are some sections of the store that have some of the most detestable demonic books and merchandise. But this is really not anything new. Some of this stuff has been around for a while. Um, I I did talk to one of the managers a while back because they had a game with a grotesque image that showed an old elderly hag committing the act of cannibalism. Can you imagine? In our local, one of our local bookstores here, and I talked to the manager, and I said, this is, this is highly disgusting and offensive. But I do want to talk to you about a particular author in a particular book. Maybe you've heard of it. It was a famous 1920s uh, piece of fiction of American horror known as The Call of Cthulhu. I published in 1928. Um, I'm going to read you what, what's found in the dust jacket. Boston. 1926, Francis Thurston goes through documents left behind by his grandfather's brother, recently deceased under mysterious circumstances. He soon discovers the existence of a cult that worships ancient and unspeakable horrors, mysterious murders, blood rituals in the depths of the Louisiana swamps, Artists who descend into insanity after nightmarish visions. Step by step, Thurston realizes that his relative's research got too close to the truth. In the shadows, there are those who are awaking a sleeping god, little g, Cthulhu. I would call it a great demon. In order to spread, so they're awakening this great demon, in order to spread madness and destruction over the entire world. 
The stars are right. Is the end near? This was an author that inspired Stephen King, by the way. Um, you know, people read this sort of lit literature, but what's really strange is that people want to get trinkets with the image of this Cthulhu, which looks kind of like a humanoid octopus where it has, instead of a mouth, it has tentacles coming from the mouth. They want to get little boxes and trinkets and even a chalice with, with a relief, or like a, almost like a picture, but it's coming out of the mug. So you could drink your beer or your wine or your juice or whatever with a celebrating Cthulhu. Why would anybody want to celebrate a demon? People delight in darkness rather than light. Now, as a teen teenager, I delved in the things of darkness. I, I used to play Dungeons and Dragons with, my, with some of my friends growing up, and I sometimes would love to, to sketch out skeletons and skulls, and I was fascinated with those evil kind of things. Now, it totally disgusts me. When I, when I go there and I look at the stuff that's in books and men, it's this, it gets me nauseated. How does, that, how does one change to go from loving and delighting in darkness to then loving the things of God's light? And today's text talks a little bit about that. Thus far in the ministry of Jesus, Jesus has shown forth that he time and time again, is the Messiah, the Christ, the promise, anointed one. Um, he was born of a virgin. He was foretold by the ministry of John. He healed many. He cast out many demons. He taught with authority like no other. In the previous uh, message that we talked about, Jesus Christ, when, when some asked him to, to give a sign from heaven, he said the only sign that would be given to, to them would be the sign of Jonah. And we know that just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great sea monster, whale, whale shark, whatever it might have been, Jesus Christ was going to be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, and he was going to rise again. So that the resurrection of Jesus, the glorious resurrection of Jesus, is the ultimate sign that shows that God's favor was truly upon him, that the Father accepted his perfect sacrifice and work, and that just as Christ was raised from the dead, even so you can be raised to new life in Christ. He was raised for our justification, and also that same power that works in Christ to raise him from the dead can help you grow in sanctification as well. As we look at today's text, when Jesus is talking about the light, we will look at under it under this heading, seek the light of God to shine in you. You are to seek the light of God to shine in you. And we'll see this in two main points. Don't hide the light of Christ in you. That's the first one. Don't hide the light of Christ in you. Secondly, is there light or darkness in you? So let's look at the text under this first heading. Don't hide the light of Christ in you. Verse 33. No one after lighting a lamp puts it away 
in the cellar or under a basket, but on the lampstand, so that those who may enter may see the light. Light that Jesus is talking about is the light of God that is given to us through the Holy Gospel, which can only be received by the work of the Holy Spirit, giving new life, otherwise known as regeneration, that new spiritual birth that would enable us to have the light of, of God working in us. Now, you've heard me talk about this, you've probably heard other pastors talking about this, but what's the difference between the Gospels? And I realize this, that one of the differences that you might find is that speaking of the light of Christ, Christ as the light of God, I believe that John's Gospel seems to have a bit more focus on Jesus as the light of the world than the others. Let's turn to John chapter 1. John 1. We're going to give a little overview here of Jesus as that light. We'll start reading at verse uh, 6. Um, there came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which has come, coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world. The world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believed, or who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Skip to John 8.12. John 8.12. Jesus says here in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. And then uh, John, that was John 8, 12. Now John 12, 35 and following. John 12, 35 and following. Jesus said, For a little while longer, the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons of light. And skip to verse 44. He who believes in me does not believe in me, but him who sent me. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge them, for I did not come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world." Um, that is the revelation of John speaking of Jesus as that light and his holy gospel 
as that light that comes and shines into the world. Um, we're not going to go there, but until later, John's epistles as well use this concept of light contrasting with darkness in his epistles, and we'll look a little bit at that later. As Christians, brothers and sisters, this passage teaches us that we are to walk in a way that's different than the world. We are to walk as those who shine as lights rather than showing forth darkness. Now, maybe you've heard this saying, and I want to I go over it as both there's truth and error in it, but you've you heard the saying, Christians are not perfect, they're just forgiven. Christians are not perfect, they're just forgiven. There's truth in that saying, and the truth goes like this. On the day of judgment, the reason that we will stand in God's sight is because of our union with Christ. What does our union with Christ accomplish? It's through the work of Christ that the blood of Jesus, the perfect holy blood of the sinless Lamb of God, washes away our sin. But Jesus Christ as well, by his perfect work, accounts unto us his perfect obedience. And all that is received by faith. So we're judged not by the standard of us having any sort of perfection, because none of us will, None of us will have a perfect obedience that can stand in God's sight. We have to have forgiveness of sins, but also that accounted, imputed righteousness of Christ. So it's true, Christians aren't perfect, they're forgiven. That's true. But there's another misunderstanding that could come from this. The only difference between a Christian and an unbeliever is that one is forgiven and one is not. That they can walk the same way, that they can talk the same way, that they can live the same way. And I don't think that's what the Scripture teaches. John taught that as Christians, you are to walk in a way that is very different from the world. Look at the first epistle of John, 1 John chapter 1. John 1, 1, starting at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And skip to chapter 2, verse 7 and following. Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which he had from the beginning. The old commandment is the world which you ha- which is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him 
and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause of stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Those who have the light of Christ in them, they are walking in a way that's pleasing. They are growing in sanctification to love the things that God loves and to hate the things which God hates. They seek to flee the darkness. That includes books, movies, video games, dark practices, and even those persons who walk in darkness. First, in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and following, Jesus taught that we are not to be bound with unbelievers. Righteousness should not have a partnership with lawlessness, and light cannot have fellowship with darkness either. As those who are in Christ, we are to walk in the light. Getting back to verse 33 of today's text, Jesus says that your good works should shine for all to see. It shouldn't be hidden. He uses the illustration of a basket. You have your light, you hide it under a basket, or mentions a cellar, but in Louisiana, none of us have cellars. So maybe, maybe you've hidden it under, in the crawl space under your house. Uh, maybe that's the way we could look at it in our way. And as someone who worked in the medical profession, I've always thought of it like this. You know, we're taught you have to keep private about everyone's medical information. And really, if you, if you go talking about other people's medical information without their permission, especially as a medical worker, I mean, you really, you keep, you're transgressing law and people can get on your case and you can get in trouble. But some people are like that about their faith. They're, they're just so private that they, it's as if they're trying to follow the Health Information Privacy Act concerning their, their faith in Christ. Like, no one would know their faith in Christ except maybe their spouse, but not their neighbors or coworkers or anyone else, because it's kind of like they're, they're hiding the light of Christ under a basket or under the crawl space of their home. But that's not what Christ wants us to do. Your faith should be demonstrated for all to see. Why? Look at the text. So that those others in the world may enter by seeing the light. Brothers and sisters, when you shine forth with the light of the gospel, other people see that, and God uses that to bring other people to enter and see and enter into the light and enter into the kingdom. Jesus said, Men will know by your love one for another that you are truly my disciples how you love one another.
That's one of the ways as a congregation that we can shine the light of Christ in, in how we love one another. When we see a need, don't just wait for someone else to do it. Maybe one of you could call or text and see if you could offer help to show love to the brother and sister in need. And that you can shine as lights and that people would see your love for the brothers and sisters and that evidence that you are and we are truly his disciples. Next, Jesus gives us some questions that make us ask and examine ourselves. Is there light or darkness in you? Look at verses 34 and 35. The eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, your whole body is also full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness, then watch out that the light in you is not darkness. Perhaps you've never realized how absolutely essential your vision is to daily life. When I was in therapy school, we had to do an experiment where we had to be blindfolded, I think for eight hours, and which was kind of strange because I was actually staying at a, at a, friend, a, a fellow student's house named John Sibley. I was staying with him. So he was a fellow brother in Christ. We're still friends. We keep in touch on Facebook. But I was stand, staying with his family, and I was blindfolded, and I couldn't see anything. It was pitch black. And I had to practice taking a bath. I had to practice getting dressed. I had to practice brushing teeth, doing all that while blindfolded to get you an idea of what it's like to deal with a blind client or a blind patient, which we often had to work with. It's troubling. It's difficult. And that's what this text is kind of saying. And I, I want to read you a, a, a quotation from um, Dr. Hendrickson about this particular passage. So it's talking about the, the light of the eye and the lamp of the body. He says, When a person's eyes are in good condition, the entire body will be illuminated. It will know exactly what to do. The foot will know where to step. The hand will realize where to take hold or how to take hold. Now the opposite is true. Through some illness, a person's eyes that do not function properly, such a person will be groping in the dark, like I was for eight hours. When a person's inner disposition, he says, this inner being, person's inner disposition is right, having been sanctified by the Holy Spirit, his entire personality will be illuminated. He will possess understanding and will be able to thank the Lord for joy unspeakable and full of glory. On the contrary, when his heart is not right with God, this lamentable condition will also affect his entire personality Instead of spiritual progress, there will be spiritual retardation and deterioration. So according to Hendrickson, this inner disposition, this inner being can, can be compared to the, light, the lamp of your body. In verse 34, the light of the gospel affects our entire inner being, the lamp of the body, and everything else in our entire life is affected by the work of that light. 
So unless the light of the gospel has illuminated your life, you will walk in darkness. Unless you are born again, born from above by the power of the Holy Spirit to receive the things of God, to receive the gospel, the light of the gospel of Christ, you will walk in darkness. This doctrine of regeneration is absolutely essential. Unless you commit yourself to walk in accordance with the word of God as that light for your path, you will walk in darkness and often walk in a ditch if God's word does not illuminate your path. Jesus goes on to teach further in today's text, verse 36, that the true faith as guided by the word and spirit should cause a total transformation in your life. Look at verse 36. If therefore your whole body is full of light with no dark part in it, it will be wholly illuminated as when the lamp illuminates you with its rays. So in other words, every aspect of your life should be illuminated by the light of the gospel, by the light of your Christian faith. He says there should be no dark part in it. In other words, your walk with Christ should be illuminated more than just what you do on Sunday or just Sunday morning. It should affect everything that you do the rest of the Sabbath day, but not only that, the rest of the week, the rest of your life. I think what the scripture is saying is that the light of the gospel should transform every aspect of our lives in a holistic fashion. Your relationships, your family, your marriage, if you're married, your leisure, your sexuality, how you spend your money, how you spend your time. Your faith should direct what you do, what you love, what you hate. It should affect everything so that there will be no dark part in it. Now, to be honest, if we look at ourselves and we examine ourselves, how many of us are totally consistent with a holistic, full, complete, full-spectrum effect of the gospel? If we're honest with ourselves, we still see dark parts in it, in our lives, don't we? As the Pastor Jack used to say, when you point the finger, you got those fingers pointing back at you as well, right? None of us are going to be perfectly sanctified. We're never going to stop warring against the world and the flesh and the devil until one, we die to go to be with the Lord, or two, Christ returns. There's always going to be a fight, and none of us are going to be able to say, my, the light of the gospel has illuminated me to the point where there's no longer any dark part in my life whatsoever. But the standard of what the gospel teaches is that we are to have this holistic religion affecting every part of our being. It should be transformative. And we should, as Christians, walk in a different way, different than the Lord. So getting back to those people who are buying this crazy stuff 
at books a million. I mean, can a Christian in, watch a horror movie or read a, a book about horror? Well, I know some. I know a brother who's a Reformed Christian who does read some of that stuff and does watch some of that stuff. But you can't go delighting in Freddy Krueger. You can't go delighting in the murderer. You can't go delighting in Cthulhu or the devil and call yourself a Christian. Um, I do want to tell you about something I just found out about. Just, it just came out in 2013. It's actually a recent movie. I would say it's almost classified as horror. It's called Nefarious. It's about a man who is demon-possessed and who is being counseled by a psychologist or psychiatrist before uh, he, he has to be executed. for the, He suffers a death penalty. But it's, it's a modern rendition, you could say, of the diabolical nature of the evil. And this movie, Nefarious, is, is kind of like a modern version of the screw tape letters. And it might be something that you could look into to showing the ways of the diabolical one. So yes, verse 36 tells us that we have this holistic religion. But none of us will be perfect until the, the coming of Christ in us. Brothers and sisters, does the light of Christ dwell in you? Before asking the question, is your light shining? Does the light of Christ dwell in you? Have you confessed that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and that you're justly deserving His wrath apart from Him? But yes, if you are His, let your light shine. Don't hide it. Ask for grace and wisdom that you would find ways that your light can shine. Examine yourselves and say, do I see light in me or darkness? Ask God to work in you that you would grow more and more in the, your love for the things of the light and your hatred for things of darkness. Let's pray together. Our glorious Lord, we thank you that you have brought forth the light of the Holy Gospel in your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that you would help our bodies, our whole being, to be full of light, that our entire being would be fully illuminated by the work of Christ, by the work of your Holy Spirit, by your Holy Word. Help us grow more and more to hate the darkness and to move toward the light. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, let's stand and sing our closing hymn of dedication, 493, Savior Teach Me Day by Day, 493.